is that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman Whip. Is that really in the Bible? Question today is, how do you love God? How do you love God? Now, I think if you were to ask that question and do a survey, I think with most people, the answer would surprise you. I think most people would say, I just feel like I, just feel like I love God. That would be their answer. I just know because I emotionally, you know, my feelings, I just feel like I love God. You know, I remember when my parents used to celebrate Christmas, uh, I remember my my, uh, mother had this beautiful uh, Christmas tree. And I I had some, uh, playing some Christmas music. And I remember thinking, and I think the fireplace was burning and it was a, a very beautiful scene inside my mother's home and with the Christmas tree and all that stuff. And, and I remember feeling so close to God. And it was just, and I can guarantee you back then, I was not close to God. I mean, I, I can guarantee you that. But uh, I, didn't have, I didn't know anything about God at that age. And, and, but I felt so close to God. And I learned that you cannot always trust your feelings. That just because a person says, well, I I just know I love God, I just feel like I love God, really doesn't mean that much. I think our emotions can get in the way. I really believe that our emotions, what we feel, can get in the way of truly knowing God. Now, Isaiah 58 verse 1 says this. It says, cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trump, and show my people their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sins. In other words, What God is saying is show these people that are a pack of deceitful, corrupted sinners who love to be lied to, show them their sins. Isaiah 58 verse 2, yet they seek me daily. And these same people, these sinners, they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinances of their God. They ask of me ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching to God. Now get this. Understand this verse. Here are a group of people that love to go to church. They delight in approaching God. They love to pray. They love to approach God. They can't get enough of religion. Yet they have forsook the ordinances of their God. What does that mean? They don't live right is what what that means. They just don't live right. It's, their religion is all in their head. It's a feeling. It's all an emotional thing. Now, someone said that the Western mind, the, the Western mindset is, Lord, what do you want me to feel? And that is so true of our culture and our society. It, it seems that churches are built on that one approach, purely emotional. What do you want me to feel? The Hebrew mindset says, Lord, that you find in the Bible, the Hebrew mindset says, Lord, what do you want me to do? Notice the two differences between the two. The Western mindset, our mindset is, Lord, what do you want me to feel? I got to go to church and feel something. I just don't feel anything here. 
The Hebrew mindset that you find in the Bible is, Lord, what do you want me to do? Now, when your religion doesn't get past your head and into what you do on a daily basis, it's a vain religion. It's va you may feel like you love the Lord. You may feel like you're a good person. But your religion is vain unless it gets past your emotion and into your actions, what you actually do with your hands. Lord, what do you want me to do? You know, there's a story I heard one time about a man. man has a wife and three children. They need him there. They need him home to take care of the family and provide for the family, but he's not there. He's across town at a bar. He's sitting, on a, he's sitting at a bar stool. He's about three sheets in the wind, and he's got tears rolling down his face as he tells the bartender how much he loves his wife and three children. Now, he's feeling an emotion. And the emotion is real. He's got real tears rolling down his face as he tells the bartender how much he loves his wife and three children. Now, is this real love? No. It's just a feeling. It's just an emotion. You see, real love would require him to be with his wife and three children, to be there to provide, to be there to teach the children, to be there to help out. That's what real love would require. So we need to understand and get this separated in our mind. Yeah, it's good to feel certain things about God, but you want to make sure <coughs> excuse me, that your actions are connected to your emotions. What you do on a daily basis, you want to make sure that is connected to what you feel about God. You see, love is a matter of the will. It's what you do that matters. So how do you love God? How do you love God? Well, let's, what's really in the Bible? John 14 and verse 15, Jesus said, words in red, if you love me, keep my commandments. Now let me tell you something. All of you, are you one of these wannabe Christians? Are you one of these Christians who believe that you can love God without keeping his commandments? Does that describe you? If so, you're a wannabe Christian. You, somehow you convince yourself that you can love God and it's purely emotional without keeping his commandments. John 14, verse 14 says, if you ask anything, we're backing up here, backing up one verse, I want to point this out. Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, in my name, I will do it. Excuse me. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And then he, you know, then that sounds good. Oh boy, I can ask for a three-car garage, BMW, you know, all the things. No, no, that's not true. Notice, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Then he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. You see that, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. It's conditional. It's based on love. Love is a two-way street. Don't, we, don't you know? It's, it's conditions here. It's conditioned. Yeah, you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. But if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that, you may, that he may abide with you even forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not, neither knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. Now this verse is talking about receiving the spirit of God. But did you know that you cannot have the Spirit of God unless you keep His commandments? Yeah, 
Acts 5 and verse 32 says this, And we are his witnesses of these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to them that obey him. Who does God give his spirit to? To those who are willing to obey him. To, to those who are willing to keep his commandments. That's who God gives his spirit to. 1 John 2 and verse 4 says, he, he that says, I know him, and keeps not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. And, and people come along and say, well, you know, look, I just feel like I love the Lord, but I don't keep his commandments. You are a liar. Don't take my word for it. This is what the Bible calls you. He that says, I know him, and keeps not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. You know, the churches that dot our land have been rendered neutered when it comes to standing up for morality. In a way, they can't stand up. And I'm going to explain why they can't stand, up, can't stand up for morality. They really cannot stand up for keeping the law of God. I'm going to explain it to you. You see, thousands of years ago, the church perverted the grace of God. They really did. Grace was perverted. And I'm going to, let me explain how. Jude 1 and verse 4. I'm reading from a different translation. <clears throat> it says this, Some people have secretly entered your group. These people have already been judged guilty for what they are doing. Long ago, the prophets wrote about them. They are against God. They have used the grace of God in the wrong way to do sinful things. They refuse to follow Jesus Christ, our only Master and Lord. Now, this tells us a lot about a perversion of the gospel, a perversion of the grace of God. It says they have used the grace of God in the wrong way to do sinful things. They have taken the grace of God as a license to sin. Now, there is a, a teaching today. It's called antinomian. And it sort of dominates, I think, mainstream Christianity, this antinomian teaching. What is this antinomian teaching? It says, well, this is the definition. One who holds that under the gospel dis dispensation of grace, the moral law is of no use or obligation because faith alone is necessary to salvation. Now, why would people adopt this view? Well, again, Jude 1 and verse 4 sort of gives us a clue where it says they have used the grace of God in the wrong way to do sinful things. There is always a motive for false doctrine. If you can understand the motive, you can understand the heart of sinful man. Now, continuing on, this antinomian definition says this. It says, one who rejects a socially established morality. You know, this is where we're headed as a nation, as a society. What is this, that, what is that socially established morality? Well, today it is religion, Bible, the church. But I want to explain something to you. I think the one reason why churches cannot stand up for morality, there is a teaching that has existed for a long time that the churches have. Maybe you've heard it. It goes something like this. Well, the law has been abolished. The law, grace plus nothing. Uh, the gospel message is just about acceptance. You don't add anything to it. You just, just accept Jesus. That's all you got to do. Uh, the law's been fulfilled. 
the law's been nailed to the cross. Have you ever heard any of those statements? I know you have. You've heard them many, many times over coming from religious people. Now, my question is why? why what is wrong with the law of God? You know, if you begin to look at each one of the laws, you look at the first commandment. You must not worship any other gods except me. What's wrong with that law? You must not make any idols. The second commandment. What's, what's wrong with that law? You must not use the name of the Lord your God in vain. All right? You must honor and respect your father and mother. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not lie about other people. You must not want to take your neighbor's wife or his house. Basically, don't covet. You know, here's the issue. I think most Christians don't have a problem with nine of the Ten Commandments. But you may have noticed I left one of the commandments out. On, deliberately. I left the fourth commandment out. Let's read it. Exodus 20 and verse 8. You must remember to keep the Sabbath day a special day. You must work six days a week to do your job. But the seventh day is a day of rest in honor of the Lord your God. So on that day, no one should work. Not you, not your son, your daughter, your men, your women slaves, even your animals and the foreigner living in your cities must not work. Yes, the, the importance of the Sabbath day. But it's the one commandment, the fourth commandment, that a lot of Christians have a problem with. In other words, you're not going to tell me to stop. I just can't do that. I just can't stop. I, you know, there's no stopping me now, whatever. This is the one commandment that a lot of Christians cannot will not keep. They just will not keep the Sabbath day. Now, there are three false gods that we all have. Let me, let me tell you about them. Three false gods that we all seem to worship at the altar of is money God, belly God, and time God. Money God is, you're not going to tell me how to spend my money. You're not going to tell me, God, that i got to give 10% of my income to you. Belly God is, you're not going to tell me what I can and cannot eat. All right? Time God is, God, you're not going to tell me how to spend my time. You're not going to tell me I need to keep your Sabbath and stop. Okay? Because I can't do that. Yeah, it's really a commandment that a lot of Christians just, they struggle with keeping this fourth commandment. You see, because Christians are not willing to keep the fourth commandment, which is the Sabbath day, they have developed a theology that dismisses all of the Ten Commandments in the rhetoric that says the law has been abolished, grace plus nothing, you know, the gospel message is just acceptance, you don't add anything to it, you don't do anything, you just accept Jesus, that's it. The law has been fulfilled, the law has been nailed to the cross. Because they're not willing to keep this one commandment, they develop a theology that dismisses all the commandments. This is, why they say, this is why I say the church, Christianity, don't have a leg to stand on. This is one of the reasons I, I say that the churches cannot stand up for morality because of their own doctrine and theology. Because of the church's failure to submit and keep the fourth commandment. So how do we love God? By keeping his commandments. You know, the fourth commandment is about holy time with God. You ever thought about that? You know, children spell love, T-I-M-E. They really do. And I can't help but wonder if God doesn't spell it the same way. Time. 
In fact, if you look at the Sabbath command, it's about time with God. It's about you stopping what you're doing and spend a day with God. Now, you know, are you one of these what I call 90% Christian? You don't mind keeping nine of the Ten Commandments. But the one that says, keep my Sabbath day, well, that's... And what are all the excuses that I've heard? You know, I have a whole series of excuses for not keeping the Sabbath day. You ought to listen, listen to that because I go through every scripture that people use that they throw up at me for not keeping the Sabbath day. But, you know, people will say, well, that's, that's the Jews. That's for the Jews. That's for somebody else. That was for Israel. That's the old covenant, and we don't have to keep that today. Truth of the matter is, it's the fourth commandment. Yeah. I mean, it's the fourth commandment. You can't get away from this. You can't just look at the commandments and say, well, I'm going to pick and choose the nine of them to keep, but I'm not keeping that, that one because I don't like it. You can't do that. You can't call yourself a Christian and do that. You know, Jesus said in Luke 14 and verse 33, he said, so likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsakes not all that he has cannot be my disciple. Are you willing to forsake that thing that is more important to you than money itself? And that is your time. Actually, they're both one and the same thing. Time is money and money is time. And I think that explains why most people have such a hard time keeping the Sabbath day because time is money and money is time. And we live in a nation that it's all about money, is it not? And how you want to spend your time. You know, I want to offer you something here called the Sabbath Bible Study. Be sure and order this. Uh, it, it is a powerful, if you really want to know the truth about God's Sabbath day. Now, I know, you know, if you ever mention this to a preacher, he's going to bash you up one side and down the other. He's going to call you a Jew. He's going to call you, uh, you know, an Israelite. He's going to say that the Sabbath is not important. But this is one of the most powerful Bible studies that we offer. Uh, subtitle, Which Day is the Christian Sabbath? You need to understand that. You really need to understand that. Uh, who made and established the Sabbath? Yeah, it's important to understand that. Who made and established the Sabbath? Um, another subtitle. I get to it here. God, not Moses, gave the law. You know, a lot of people will refer, well, that's the law of Moses. They don't know what they're talking about. A special eternal covenant. Another subtitle. Another um, what else here? I want to I go through all this. Which day for Christians, uh, for Gentile Christians? A lot of things, people try to make a distinction between the two. Which day for Christian Gentiles? Uh, why Israel and Judah were made slaves? You need to understand that. Why they were made slaves. And is Sunday mentioned in the New, New uh, Testament? Excellent Bible study here that you need. You, I'll send that to you free of charge. Won't sell your name to a mailing list. And you can study that in the privacy of your own, your own home. The Sabbath Bible study. Are you willing to forsake 24 hours of your time for God? To disconnect yourself from the world. Like an overloaded receptacle. To just unplug yourself from the world. And spend time with God family, and your children. Are you willing to do that? Isaiah 58 and verse 13, incredible verse about keeping the Sabbath, says this, 
If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shall honor him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words, then shall you delight yourself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. You know, when this verse talks about riding upon the high, if you keep my Sabbath day, I will cause you to ride upon the high places of the earth. You know, there's many blessing, blessings <clears throat> connected to the Sabbath day. I'm part owner of a business, and we've been keeping the Sabbath ever since the business has been established for 30 or 40 years. We've been keeping the Sabbath. And so, you know, there are blessings like we've never had a lawsuit. Uh, we've never had any major accidents. Well, we had cuts and bruises, but, you know, to do this type of work, construction work, and which is, can be very dangerous work, scaffolding, working up high, power tools and uh, heavy equipment, and to never really have an accident, a serious accident. There, there's, there's, there's blessings connected to the Sabbath day that you're probably totally unaware of. In a way, it makes your life work. And just because you take off a period of time for God, God is able to make it work out. He's able to make you uh, possess more money than if you'd work seven days a week. You know, a lot of us think, oh, i got to work seven days a week in order to cover all the bills. Well, I've been able to keep the Sabbath for 30 years and have more money by taking a day off than I would if I worked. You couldn't pay me with my conviction to go out there and work on the Sabbath day because I know what would happen. It would be disastrous. We'd be having accidents and all kinds of things, you know, going on if I tried to tempt God in that area. So I don't take any chances. But we shut our business down on the Sabbath day, and uh, our workers don't work for us, and we don't do anything. There's, it's a day free from responsibility. What does that sound like to you? A day free of any responsibility. You want to lower your blood pressure? You want to live healthier? Keep the Sabbath day. So this verse tells us, look, I'll cause you to ride upon the high places of the earth if you keep my Sabbath day. So what am, I, what am I saying? I'm saying, how do we love God? This is how you love God. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. All 10 of them. This is how we love God. Don't be a 90% Christian, okay? Because there's plenty of them out there, I can guarantee you that. Don't be a 90% Christian. Give God, go all in for it. Go wholeheartedly all in. Give God your very best and ride upon the high places of the earth. And maybe one day you'll catch up with me. I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? Does it matter which day you worship God on? The fourth commandment says, Six days shall you labor, but the seventh day of the week is God's Sabbath day. For nearly 2,000 years, people have disagreed about which day, Saturday or Sunday, is the Christian day of weekly worship. 
Is this an important issue or does it really matter when the Christian performs his worship activities? The crux of the matter is simply this. Who are you obeying when you present yourself before God to worship Him? Get the facts by ordering Sunday Worship, How Sunday Worship Really Came About. Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia. 24151. Also, visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.org. This program has been paid for by the tithes and offerings of the Church of God Rocky Mount and friends of this ministry. If you have been challenged by listening to this program, then consider that a great blessing. You can visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net. It is the support of people like you that make this ministry possible. If you have been blessed by this understanding given to you today, then consider making a donation by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. For more information, check us out online at isthatreallyinthebible.net. Listen to the podcast, watch the weekly program, worship with us on our weekly Sabbath service, and be sure to visit our free bookstore. Again, the website is isthatreallyinthebible.net.